shredded. Guys, welcome to another episode of Shred the Mic with Zeke and Kelly. Shred, 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 shred. (laughs) Yes, make sure you do all the arm movements. Shred the mic. That is very important. Uh, guys, this is the this is the podcast where two comedians with a guest this time uh, get to work out material live in front of you based off of the notes from the previous week, right? So we're not allowed to cheat. We're only using information that we put into our phones over the last seven days since our last show. And we have hopefully had some time more than 20 minutes to write new material based off of that. I can only speak for myself there. I don't know about you, Kel. All of it is just very raw, very underdeveloped, but you can see how we're going to take a premise and hopefully expand it into a bit that we will take on stage. And then hopefully a special Yes. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. We come at it from two totally different points of view. For me, I've been doing improv and sketch for 20 years, but only doing stand-up for a little, we'll call it two months at this point. That's a very generous two months. Kelly has been doing it for seven years plus. But uh, as we learned today, I've lived on the internet and have <laughs> absorbed all the negative comments for like 10 years. And mm-hmm. Kelly is relatively new to that experience. <laughs> it's true it's true yeah (laughs) i'm used to the small immediate audience that you know the meanest they get is just being silent generally like i can handle that so this whole like putting myself on the internet internet and getting comments thing is like new and uh zeke is trying to teach me how to not give a fuck about it so (laughs) it's it's the zen of zen of internet comments about Mm -hmm. just you know eventually you become it becomes water off a duck's back you know, where you just like, you don't hear the haters and you don't hear the cheers as much. And you're just sort of like, or at this point, I start to have fun with them. Uh, I've sort of crossed over to that line of like, not ignoring, like not paying attention to them. Well, now I just bomb them with positivity. And I'm like, I hope you have a great day. Or like, I had somebody comment on a video I posted from my functional bodybuilding class. And he's like, functional means easy or something stupid like that. And I was just like, hell yeah, brother, like way to get it or something. And just kept on bombing him with positivity as he kept on like chipping back. And like, I was like, I think this is how I'm going to deal with haters. Like, and negative comments moving forward is just bomb them with like attaboys and like. Just take them all as compliments. And they're like, no, 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 that was an insult. And you're like, not a very good one. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maxim, tell us about yourself. You've gone from from audience member to frequent commenter to now you're on Shred the Mic. Tell us briefly about your journey. (laughs) Well, first off, really grateful to be joining you guys and to be having fun like this. It's awesome. Yeah, Zeke and I have known each other for quite a few years. Met in Las Vegas, actually, when I was showing my company there at a show. And like probably most of the people joining this, I'm a huge comedy fan and have long felt a desire to test my metal, as it were. So I'm excited uh-huh. to kind of have an opportunity to ease into it in a way that doesn't feel quite so terrifying. <laughs> good, good. We can't wait. Can't wait to hear what you what's, can. What's hilarious to me is that you're willing to do it in front of the internet <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a first run instead of in front of, uh, you know, a small crowd. But I listen, to each their own. I just, I love the fact that you're doing it, man. And like, 
Yeah, I, they're terrifying in different ways, you know? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if I ever get a sense of shame back, it might be good uh, to feel that in front of people again. But <laughs> I feel like that part of my brain has been burned out through being in show business for 20 years. <laughs> I think that's necessary okay. adaptation. Okay, uh, segment that we accidentally stumbled into last week when we did the podcast is lessons learned from our previous week. Based on what we did on the podcast, what did we learn based off comments, suggestions, running the set live? Kel, why don't you take things away? Why don't you go first? Mine, my thing I learned is kind of related to what we were talking about earlier with comments. You know, like, like I said, I am getting used to having comments like not in here and here the comments are all positive and supportive because you guys are awesome but just like posting my reels of stand-up on you know here on tiktok and youtube the more views you get the more comments you get and like at first when i would get negative comments i would get that like jolt of adrenaline and be like oh my god and just like didn't know what to do and i would just like go delete it immediately and then later i would think of all the funny things i could have said to that person um, or at least just like used for a stand-up set later. So now what I do is I take a screenshot of their stupid comments and then I block them. So I can at least use it for material. Yeah, so that's, I love that's, it. What, I, that's what I learned this week. <laughs> that's great. That's so good. Eventually you'll you'll uh, become dead inside and then you'll, you'll round the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate do you it. want me to become dead inside Is no 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 of course not of course not like i'm having a little bit of a rebirth now where i'm starting to have feelings again but yeah like being on the internet for 10 years of just getting shat on especially when youtube was just a giant dumpster fire of racism and sexism and homophobia in the early days Woo! Mm. like yeah 2011 youtube man that'll that'll ruin you <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, glad I missed that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody should be glad there's now content moderation like that. Thank you, YouTube. Lessons learned from me based off of last week. I learned that my comedian underwriter bit has some legs to it. However, I still haven't cracked it because I still assume that an audience has more information about the insurance industry than I do, <laughs> which... You know, I just, uh, I just, it's Dunning-Kruger effect stuff where it's sort of like, well, listen, if this idiot knows it, like everyone should know about uh, insurance forms and certificates of insurance and limits on policies and all that other dumb stuff that just happens. But no, it turns out people don't. And so I need to find a new way to crack that knowledge gap between me and the audience. What do you think, Kel? Is it time to shred the mic? I think it's time to shred the mic. Yeah. I think you. so. Are you ready? All right. It is time to shred the mic. Where did our 80s dance moves go? <clears throat> Let me clarify. Where did our early 80s white people dance moves go? All right. <laughs> Specifically, I'm talking about all the upper body dancing that we did in the early <laughs> 80s that was all the rage, right? <laughs> With our legs refusing to move in some sort of bizarre locked up <laughs> prison. Right. All the all the girls were all shoulder dancing. Right. Guys had a lot of this rocking movement and all the dramatic dance moves like people who actually knew choreography and like the new wave early 80s had lots of flair and like hand dancing going on like this. And I'm just like, where did that all go? It was so <laughs> horrible. But where did it go? 
Was it the <laughs> drugs? Was it the coke of the era that put people's legs in that proverbial prison? I, you know, I'm not sure. It reminded me, though, that there is a big difference, of course, between early 80s white people dancing from like the new wave era of punk rock. And then, of course, the hip hop inspired break dancing that that our great savior, the Jackson family, brought us throughout the, the mid and late uh, 80s, right, where they actually taught us how to use the lower parts of our body. You know, mm -hmm. it just reminds me that there were dance moves called the Egyptian. You will remember Walk Like Egyptian? Like, mm -hmm, that shit's mm -hmm. probably canceled. Don't know if I can even do it, right? There was a dance that I didn't know the name to that I had to Google called the RoboCop, where you sort of like Ooh. go out like this. Uh, this is like the, the poor man's version of it, right? And that was terrible, but also very 80s inspired. The legs didn't move. And of course, Axl Rose actually brought the snake into everybody's collective consciousness. Guess what? His legs barely moved. Right? <laughs> he brought white people dancing to a whole new level and introduced it uh, during Appetite for Destruction. All right. That's, that's my chunk on early 80s white people dance moves. I hope to bring it back. I was working on a project with somebody and I had a disagreement with one of the other people on set and the other person was wrong, right? Like, well, let's, let's just start there, but that's not the point. Okay. He, this is a big shocker. He had to pull me aside and he said the dreaded phrase that if you've, I feel like this is mostly a dude thing. If you've ever had, the opportunity to have a private disagreement with somebody, you'll hear the dreaded phrase, dude, I get it. We're both alphas. Uh, I immediately tuned out after this started. I was just like, I went into a little bit of a fugue state where like, I couldn't tell if I was angry or if I was trying to control my poker face that I don't have uh, when he said this, because if you ever find yourself saying the phrase, Dude, I get it. We're both alphas. You're not an alpha. You're not an you're alpha. Just, you're just not, okay? Not, you're not, you never were, you never will be, and that's okay, right? Just let's, let's ignore the fact that the scientists who came up with this, this entire theory, the alpha wolf hypothesis, ended up walking back the entire theory a couple of years after it was published, but it still exists in pop culture. We'll ignore that for a second, right? <laughs> but I have to admit that I've come across this phrase, this, <laughs> this conversation has happened more times in my life than I care to admit. And essentially, it's only dudes that have this, this conversation with me. <laughs> and it doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel like Basically, if you call me an alpha in this scenario, you're calling me an insufferable prick. <laughs> you got like, 24 at least seconds. in my mind. I, that's the way I interpret it. I probably didn't lead with kindness or gratitude. I was probably curt with you. And worst of all, you probably assumed I'm better at something than I really am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm not. Kel, where am I at time-wise? Five seconds. Ah, oh, geez. I got a premise about dream washing that will happen next week. <laughs> all right. There you go. That's Ooh, my time. Let's Thank time. you so much. All right. <laughs> Give it up for Zutana. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Shredded. Let's see. Feedback. Okay, your 80s dance moves thing is funny. I know this is a 
small screen, but I wanted to see your dance moves. So when you do this on stage, yeah. you, you better do every single dance move. Um, I understand this is, you know, tiny, <laughs> but I want to see them. And I was thinking I would love to hear an hypothesis or two as to why they aren't using their legs. Ooh. Like what was happening in the early 80s that people couldn't or wouldn't dance with their legs. Um, also, I wrote down it's like the opposite of river dance, which is all legs and no arms. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. I, love that. Like, I love that. That's a great, great point. <laughs> the inverse there, river dance. It's, in, yeah. it's the inverse of river dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think, Maxim? Definitely agree with all of that. I feel like I wanted to hear more about situations where people would deploy those dance moves, you know, as like a last resort kind of decision, um, mm -hmm. you know, and where they're maybe kind of used in an awkward way today. Um, like when are you dusting off these kind of antiques and bringing them out? Um. <laughs> <laughs> antiques is a great word to describe it. I'm all right. Keeping that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like I, it made me think about this idea of like dance move antiquing, right? Where it's like, you're kind of hunting for like, you know, like you're hunting for like buried treasures, you know, and people are, people are, you know, appreciating them in different levels. And I loved, loved your bit, uh, like the, the bit about kind of the dude, like we're both alphas definitely made me chuckle. And, you know, it made me think about like, what are like the most like completely awkward or inappropriate moments to say that to somebody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was interesting that you take that as an insult because I, that that's that's not how I would take it. I guess. So that was a that was a fresh take on you know. To me, I feel like it's usually whoever's saying we're both alphas is trying to get up to your level. Is like how it sounds to me, or like if they're saying it about someone. Like you know, I played on a volleyball team with these dudes who were, you know, both trying to be in charge of the team. And one of them was talking to me about the other one. He's like, we're both alphas. Like, you know, you got it. And like, guess what? The other guy didn't say anything about being an alpha. And yeah, like, it was. imagine <laughs> saying that out loud while you're sitting in a bathroom stool and here's someone next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maxim, I feel like you've probably had this conversation in the tech startup space. It just, <laughs> Have, has someone ever said the phrase, dude, I get it. We're both alphas to you. Thankfully, no, but there is no, there is no shortage of douchey broisms in that space for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I feel like the weekend we met in Vegas, I'm pretty sure somebody said it to you. You just don't remember. They had to. Right. <laughs> they had to. <laughs> it was CES just for context. Like it was a exactly. consumer electronics show. So like it had uh, to be. Good stuff. Good stuff, Zeke. Let's see here. Maxim, are you, are you feeling it? Are you getting ready to, are you ready to shred the mic for the very shred, first shred, time? Shred, 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 first time shred, ever. Shred. All right. <laughs> are you ready to shred the mic in three, two, one? Shred the mic. So it might not be obvious, but I'm actually white. In fact, being British, I feel like I'm a secret, not on the menu level of white, like housewives bleached white teeth, super white. So while I'm the son of a Royal Air Force captain's daughter, my dad actually grew up in the British equivalent of the projects, like government housing, super rough area of England. 
So you would never know in a million years that I grew up going to middle school wearing a blazer. Um, so you really can't judge a book by its cover. That being said, I have thought a lot about my fortunate luck in life and the experiences I've had as a first-generation immigrant. And I'll get to that part in a second. Immigrating to the U.S., we were given really like the red carpet experience. And I realize it's quite different. Uncle Sam basically shot green cards at my family like it was a T-shirt cannon. And probably <laughs> not something that most people are accustomed to. See, as a, as a Brit, you get to have dual citizenship. So while the experience for most people is this kind of weird Hunger Games type scenario where they have to renounce your citizenship and pledge your loyalty to the U.S., instead, as an English person, the government really does kind of grab you, kiss you on the forehead and goes, here, make sure you have two of these passports just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so while I reflect on it, while calling myself a first-generation immigrant is 100% accurate. I also realize it's 100% unreasonable. It feels kind of like the equivalent of trying to qualify for the Paralympics because you're colorblind. I mean, yes, it's technically a disability, but come on now. Suffice to say, my Britishness has never really held me back. And it also makes it acceptable for me to use words like suffice. There, there are downsides Ooh. to being British, though. And one of the most painful experiences that I have to live day in and day out is disappointing Uber drivers who hear my accent and immediately want to talk about soccer with me. <laughs> I have never liked soccer. I still don't know. So all I get is these disappointed eyes in the rearview mirror. And I feel like I was thinking about this. This experience must be what it's like to be the guitarist of a cover band. They hear <laughs> me start and they get super, super excited only to be completely bummed out like I'm jumping in the car and I'm like, I'm the guitarist for the Rolling Stones cover band. <laughs> That's what it's like not being a fan of soccer as an Englishman. You're always going to be disappointing taxi drivers forever. Another anguish I experience as a first generation immigrant from Britain is that ordering water, especially in a drive through results in so much confusion and trauma that I have to resort to ordering Diet Coke instead. It's such an incredible privilege to be able to order water without confusing the fuck out of people. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we all have our trials and tribulations. <laughs> so it's obviously important to assimilate to the culture you live in. And I feel like I've done a pretty good job. So I moved to San Francisco a while back, started using words like bandwidth, crypto, and Ooh. first principles, all while buying $9 coffees. I'm glad to say that part of me is mostly dead now. And I'm also proud to report that I never stooped low enough to wear AirPods and vests, at least at the same time. <laughs> Next, of course, I moved to Los Angeles, where, again, assimilated to the culture. I'm now dating an Armenian girl. I bought a Mercedes SUV. And literally right now, I'm attempting comedy on a friend's podcast. So <laughs> consider me assimilated, I guess. I do love L.A., though, um, and as far as entertainment goes, you really can't beat this place, right? And um, this past weekend, I was in West Hollywood and stumbled upon a drag show, which was really fun. You know, all these talented, charismatic guys dressed up as divas, performing their hearts out. Okay. And it got me thinking. I was like, you never, ever see reverse drag shows. And I was like, why isn't that? And I was like, oh, I know why, because a reverse drag show is just going to be a bunch of women wearing old T-shirts punching wolves, repressing their feelings, 
and that's not so fun. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll finish my my kind of get together here with a with a poop joke because apparently I'm still a Perfect. child. Perfect. And um, my girlfriend has this awesome little dog. It's a little French bulldog. And while we're walking, I realized this dog takes many poops on the walks. They must weigh like three or four pounds. The dog only weighs like 25, right? So I realized <laughs> I'm a math guy. As, as far as ratios go, that would be like me every single day to start my morning taking like a 28-pound shit. And I was like, <laughs> that has to be so cathartic. And I'm now seriously reevaluating my daily fiber intake. So I think that's about my time. Um, but thanks, guys. <laughs> Shredded. Max, we before we get too far, Maxim, how do you feel? How do you feel doing your first five-minute spot, buddy? <laughs> that was fun. That was a lot of fun. It went by quickly, and, you know, it's given me an appreciation for how much goes into an hour, right? We all consume, like, an hour on Netflix like it's nothing. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's uh, it was a fun chance to kind of, you know, give this a go. I, I, it was a ton of fun. So I'm really grateful you guys let me on. Nice job. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. they say it takes a decade to have a one-hour special. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. this will help us all hack it in record time. <laughs> we'll see. You want to go Where first, Zeke? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Okay. I loved the colorblind joke. Um, <laughs> this entire premise of being a first-generation immigrant, I feel like there is so much. There's so much material here to mine. I just wanted more of that. And obviously, I know time is a consideration. But I feel like as you get more comfortable with, with this process, just leaning into it harder and harder, almost to the point where you're sort of like, guys, I have it so rough, like almost playing like a version of yourself that's just a complete D-bag, where it's just sort of like, as a first-generation immigrant, like, you know, I've, I've always had a really tough time, you know. So I think that could be possibly a way to go with it. That might be really interesting and just highlighting all the ways that your life is magical and you know it, i love the imagery of the u.s shooting out a t-shirt cannon of green cards at your family <laughs> hilarious yeah. love the colorblind comparison to being technically in the para paralympics like i love that there was something on the san francisco tech bro stuff that i really liked airpods and vests <laughs> airpods and vests yeah that's good that's good mm. I feel like you hit all the major points there of of that. And then I, I wrote down cathartic for some reason, and I don't know what it's in relation to. He said uh, the giant poop must have been cathartic. Thank you. The giant poop joke. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've never heard of uh, a poop described as cathartic. So I, I fully support that. And there, there's always room for, for poop jokes. That's what I got. Yeah. So it makes sense because it helps you let that shit go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wordplay. <laughs> okay. So I want a great job, Maxim. I wanted to know what goes on in the English projects. That to me just sounds hilarious. You could just draw a couple parallels or tell us about the hardships of the English projects. Cause I think like you said, Americans just think British people are fancy no matter what. So even your projects 
are probably fancy in my mind. And you could just make up some funny, fancy things that happen in English projects. Yeah, they don't even have um, to be true. Just like right, the most absurd like, things because, English, you know, the U.S. Yeah. has such an absurd view of. Yeah, English like culture. you only have tea twice a day instead of like four times a day. I don't I don't know how many times a day people have tea over there. But, you know, um, also when you're talking about your dual citizenship, I feel like it was like the UK was like, uh, you, you know, it's okay, you know, with America and the dual citizen, you're like, you're just going to stay with your cousins for a little bit, but we're still your parents, you know, which is like why, like you can have the dual, you know, it's like America still, they came from us, like, so that's okay, you know, I feel like there was some sort of comparison you could draw there. Uh, and when you were talking about how you don't like soccer, I was like, maybe if people bring up soccer, you know, you could be like, oh, you mean football? And start talking about the NFL. Um, and just like. Just to really upset them. <laughs> yeah, like full, full subject change. And then I wrote down AirPods and vests. That made me laugh. And then I was like, vests? Like sweater vests? Or like, what kind of vests are they wearing in Silicon Valley? Like, I've never been there. So that's a funny uh, image for me. But it also made me wonder a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great job. That was, those were my those were my thoughts. Cool. Feeling good. Feeling strong. You still with us, Maxim? You survived. I did. That was you a ton of fun. Out. Nice. Ton of fun. Great job. Great All job. right, Cal. Are you uh, getting ready to go? You feeling it? Uh, feeling strong? Yes. Feeling ready? Think. Think, oh, think I'm ready. Think I'm ready. All right, Kelly Shanley. Shred the mic. So uh, Zeke and I love Umami Burger. It's one of our go-to places that we order from. We're a strictly pickup now because uh, the last time we ordered delivery, they sent our food to us in a tiny robot. And it took over an hour to get to our apartment, which is understandable because we're over a mile away from the restaurant. Yeah. So anyway, the last time we picked up the takeout, the guy, you know, the takeout guy was like chatting us up and doing bits with us. And we were like, this guy's, this guy's definitely a comedian, you know? And I almost invited him to come to shred the mic at our house. But I stopped myself because I think, you know, if I had invited him to shred the mic at our house, he probably would think we either wanted to have a threesome with him, murder him or both, you know, because shred the mic either sounds like a weird sex move or like a serial killer's signature that he does to his victim's body to let the cops know it was him. <laughs> Either way, I don't think he'd want any part of it. I'm very, very ticklish. Like, I'm too ticklish. <laughs> and uh, like, Zeke will be giving me a hug or something and I'll just be like, ah, sometimes. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, I realized like, this is, this is my trauma from my sister, you know, my older sister, she used to tickle me a lot. And sometimes she would like hold me down and pin me down and like tickle me. And so I still just like flinch and react to it, you know, even as an adult. And then I realized like, wow, the only trauma that my big sister inflicted on me was tickling me too much. <laughs> like, um, I'm very, very lucky. That's not a joke yet, but I love the premise of I have like the nicest big sister in the world. And the meanest thing she ever did was tickle me too much. So ever since I was a little kid, uh, I have been terrified of the idea of giving birth to a child, like labor, 
terrified, like probably my number one fear, right? Like most people say public speaking. I'm like, nah, <laughs> labor. And when I was in high school, I um, was in a program called Medical Explorers and we got to go to the hospital and like shadow different people. I got to follow the OBGYN wing and they were just asking me questions like, oh, how big were you when you were born? And I was like, oh, I was nine pounds. And they're like, oh, okay. And like a baby goes by, I was like, oh, that baby doesn't look too bad. Like, you know, thinking like, I, maybe I could handle that. And they're like, oh, that baby's like six pounds. I was like, oh, okay. They're like, we'll, we'll be sure to show you a nine pound baby if they have one of those in here. And like a couple hours later, they were like, Kelly, come over here. There's a nine pound baby. You guys, I was horrified. Like it looked like it had eaten the six pound baby. It was so big. I developed a whole new respect for my mom then. And it did not cure me of my fear of labor. I'll put it that way. This is just a weird story. A few years ago, I went to Vegas with some friends. It was one of my friend's birthday. And she was like, we're going to go see one of those like Chippendale style shows. And I was like, awesome, let's do it. But like we got in the cab or the Uber. It was a while ago. I don't remember which one, but, and we're just going like away from the strip. And we end up at like a tiny strip mall <laughs> way away from all the action. And we, they were like, well, this is the address. And it was like a leather shop, like not like purses, but like a sex shop with like ball gags and all kinds of weird shit. Right. And I was like, this can't be it. Right. And then, you know, some charming man walks out. He's like, are you guys here for the show? And we were like, uh, I think so. And he leads us through the shop into the back. There's this tiny little black box theater. And that's what the show was. And like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean, but the production value of this show was exactly how you would imagine it being in the back of a sex shop in the strip mall in Vegas. It was pretty much just like five dudes and they were, they just came out naked. They were naked the whole time. Like there was no stripping, there was no illusion. There was no, you know, teasing. They were just naked the whole time. And it was one of those things where like at first, you can't look at anything else but their dicks, right? Because they're just, they're dancing and they're running and you're like, what are their dicks doing? This is so weird. And then after like 10 minutes, you're just, you're just numb. You're just numb to it. And you're just like, okay, okay. Like, I think as a woman, we've always wondered, how do you run with a dick? Like, where does it go? <laughs> what does it do? <laughs> and my questions were answered that day. Like, <laughs> I found out. <laughs> <laughs> Shredded. That's your time, Cal. Oh, perfect. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Shredded. Cal, what were our what were our bits that we had? We had leather sex show. We had uh huh. Uh, scared of, like labor or labor labor <laughs> jokes. Ba babies. Uh, my big sister tickling me. Oh, the trauma um, of a big sister. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then. The inviting a stranger to shred the mic at our house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maxim, your thoughts. So I, I really liked um I really liked the bits about what shred the mic could be misinterpreted as and what kind of uncomfortable situations that could could create. Um I thought that was that was a bit definitely worth digging up. I really liked the premise of like these really nice traumas, right? So like, what are like the nice traumas that people have? Uh -huh. You know, like like one of your traumas is from being tickled. Um, 
you know, kind of riffing on that, I think would be really funny, you know, like all like the wonderful things that have happened in your life that you're kind of like viewing through that lens. I I, I want to tag in on that too and just say, yeah, like as a pretty white woman (laughs) who grew up in a beautiful part of the world, I think that uh, anytime you talk about like trauma, the more ridiculous and like showing the privilege the more hilarious it gets. Okay. Um, yeah. So I don't know. We can we can jam on some of those ideas like offline, but I think just the the jumping off point of like my sister was so terrible to me. Yeah. You know, or like um, I had to have her hand me down ski equipment for something <laughs> incredibly privileged like that. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think <laughs> I think that might be like a really cool tact. No, and I I love the. I loved the idea of kind of going further with like this show that you were talking about for the final piece, you know, and like thinking about like the different kinds of people that might, you know, and I think you could build off of like the shred the mic piece, like this idea, right. Of like what happens when you misinterpret what something means or how something is built, you know, and showing up to somewhere with completely misaligned expectations. Like I yeah. think, I think there's, there's a lot there for sure. That could be a good tag too if I did this in the same set. You know, if you'd be yeah. like, this is what he thought Shred the Mic would be, you know, with that weird fucking. <laughs> Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. Cause I was gonna say, like, you know, if you frame the the back of the sex sex store shop uh as like we thought this was gonna be so sexy, like just really set up your expectations, like the uh the emotional reversal that we always talk about in comedy being just like, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And it was five mm-hmm. dudes who were naked from the beginning, <laughs> just <laughs> dancing around a black box theater. And yeah. it's just like the sexiest thing ever in your mind to the least sexy version of <clears throat> a bunch of floppy dicks hanging out in a black box theater. Uh, like, yeah. 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 Like I, I obviously wasn't at this show, but I can, see <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. So that's how we met. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Zeke was one of the dancers. I was one of the floppy dick dancers. Yeah. See, that's how I met Maxim actually in Vegas. <laughs> it wasn't the consumer electronics show. It was this floppy <laughs> dick dance thing in it the was. back of the, a leather store. I think it's about that time, guys. I think we've shredded plenty of mics in the last mm-hmm. little bit here. We've gone a little bit longer, but that's what happens when we have a guest and we're doing feedback. With Max in his first time. Yeah, Max. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, new segment. Hey, guys, we are talking about things that made us laugh this week. 30 seconds or less. We'll go around the horn and things that made us laugh. It could be a joke. It can be a comic. It can be a show that you watch. I'll go first just to start things off. So, Kelly and I got tickets through our good friend Joanne at Netflix to, uh, as part of the Netflix is a Joke Festival. We saw the Best Friends podcast with Nicole and Sashir, and I had very low expectations for a podcast live. And I've only been to a handful of them, and usually, you know, there's just something lost in doing a podcast live, but they crushed it. He says as we're doing a podcast live. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, like a taping of it, like, I don't know, I've been to like script notes, and I was kind of like, this is not interesting (laughs) you know uh but they were great the audience were super fans and so for me that really brought brought out some great weird questions in the Mm -hmm. um in the the q a section so for me that was my thing 
Kel, uh, what do you have? Uh, well, you took my thing. That's what I was going to say. But I think what I was going to point out about it was like, you know, everybody I know, like me and Bergs have always been like, we just need a podcast with just us talking because we're hilarious. Like just two best friends sitting down, shooting the shit. And that's what this podcast, but they actually did it. Like they actually did it. They have three ad breaks during their podcast. Like they are making money. Like people like to just listen to them literally talk to each other and um, they do it well. So yeah. hats off. Hats off to them. <laughs> yeah, three ad breaks in a in a forty five minute show. Like you guys are getting paid. Congratulations. We aspire yeah. to that, and yeah. we have a format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Maxim. What made you laugh mm-hmm. this week? Yeah, I was lucky enough last night, thanks to my girlfriend Nina, to go uh, see John Mulaney's set at the Forum. Um, it oh. was very cool to see him come back and. His work was a lot more personal and a lot more gimmicky, a bit darker, and um, really cool to see the comeback story um, and made me laugh quite a bit. That's That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Announcements. We're now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and I believe as of today, we're on Google Podcasts as well. So we are on all the places, all the platforms. So if you didn't catch us here live and participate, you can always listen back. Or if you missed part of it, full podcast episodes are going to be available wherever you get podcasts these Mm -hmm. days. Kelly, where can people find you on the internet if they want to write wonderful things to you? Ah, Instagram and TikTok, I have the same handle it's just at kelly a shanley and on youtube i have a channel as well um please subscribe to me on youtube because i'm trying to grow a channel over there uh just kelly shanley um over there i'm also on medium i have a lot of humor pieces that have been published over there again just at kelly shanley i got a i got a patreon coming soon and oh i will say i did book a show my birthday show it's gonna be june 9th at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank at 7.30 p.m. It's a Thursday, and it's going to be, it's going to shred. I'll put it that way. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, I will put more details out later, but come to the show. It'll be fun. Yeah, let's sell it out. Let's sell out that room, everybody. That show is official. I know we announced it last week kind of preemptively, but it is it is podcast official. Real memos have been signed. It's real. Hey, Maxim, how can people find you on the internet if you want them to find you at all? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I definitely don't have a lot of surface area, but people can definitely find me on Twitter, um, Maxim Wheatley. um, Pretty easy to find. Certainly here on Instagram at MaximDub, D-U-B. And then catch me hopefully next time whenever I do this, wherever I do this next. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. Zeke Thomas is rad. You obviously found the Instagram and you can find it. TikTok, same thing. YouTube, Zeke Thomas. And of course, for all your other Zeke Thomas related needs, ZekeThomas.com. And of course, there's the Patreon. That's right. Zeke Thomas is rad. We have some new patrons as of this week that I'd love to give some shout outs to you. Let's see. New patrons include Kimberly Browning. What's up? Noah Kinsey. Give it up for Noah Kinsey. He's got a great podcast as well. You should definitely listen to his coffee time with Noah Kinsey. And of course, my buddy, Mike Dennehy. All new patrons. They've all joined the community, joined the squad, joined the SARF club of, of internet jokes and keeping this thing going. For as little as $5 a month, you too can also join this wonderful community uh, where you get early access, you get BTS pictures, sorry, 
behind the scenes pictures, not pictures of the band BTS. And of course, <laughs> patron only announcements. Guys, that's all I have. You guys have been awesome. Maxim, thank you again for coming on and joining us and and, Yay, and Maxim. joining us for the very first time and putting yourself out there. That, mm -hmm. that definitely does not go unnoticed. Kelly, my girlfriend, way to shred as always. And guys, you're awesome at home. Thank you so much. Thank you for commenting. And of course, you guys are awesome. You guys are legion. We will see you next Wednesday at 6 p.m. for another episode of Shred the Mic with Zeke and Kelly. Woo! Shred the Mic is written, hosted, and produced by Zeke Rodriguez-Thomas and Kelly Shanley. Audio engineering by Zeke Rodriguez-Thomas for Mind Jam Media. And when in doubt, shred the mic.